This morning, I want to speak about restoration. Now, I've been looking at lots of pictures and things, but I wanted to do it before. See, that's a bit beaten up and strange, but yes, it's a before and after shot because um, this is my analogy and you know, it's not like you're a piece of furniture, but it's the best way I could explain what I was um, wanting to share this morning. But restoration, God is in the business of restoration and, it's, and you know, we've been talking about Jubilee and that this is a year that God wants to restore things to us and he always wants to do that, but it was a special word that God laid on our hearts is 2015 is a year of restoration for us. And when we look around the world, God is speaking that in many places, that there is restitution, there is restoration. It's actually the Jewish Jubilee this year. So there is a lot that God is doing and we just want to be in the middle of what God is doing, don't we? Yeah? Say it again. We just want to be in the middle of what God is doing. Come on now. You can talk back to me. Just don't disagree with me. No, it's fine. <laughs> disagree with me later. Um, but um, God is the God of restoration to restore us to relationship with him, who he created us to be, who he created mankind to be, and that he restores anything that has been broken or lost or stolen out of our lives. That is what to restore means. And... Uh, when I thought about it, I thought about a piece of furniture and about how God works. And if you could imagine a piece of furniture made by a master craftsman, not like, you know, some of the cheap stuff you see in the rip-off shops, but like a master craftsman making an ornate piece of furniture. That's what we are. We are made by a master craftsman. Psalm 113.9 says that we you know his workmanship, that we are knitted together in our mother's womb and that we have are wonderfully and fearfully made. So you're not some plebby thing on a rock or a blob, or you know, you might feel like that some days, but that's not what God says you are. We are, we are he is a master craftsman, and he says we are wonderfully and fearfully made. Um, but if you think about it, when you, when you build something, it's built to last. It's both built to be both useful and beautiful. And that's what God says about us too. You're created to be beautiful and spectacular and also useful. Also useful. And sometimes you see a piece of furniture that has seen its better days and it's beaten up and it's, you know, the the stains come off and it's scuffed and it's had its cupboard door slammed shut and kicked and all sorts of things. It never happens in our house, but yeah, it's like, you know, the things are falling off and if it's veneer, then the veneer's falling off and it's like all sorts of things have happened to that piece of furniture and then it gets shoved out on the curb and, and, you know, usually goes to the tip. And, and uh, sometimes you see a piece of furniture that somebody has decided to try and patch up to look okay again. However, they haven't really gone the full restoration process. They've just kind of done a quick job and lathered on some paint and, and um, tried to make it look all good. But it never really gets to the point again of what it was originally, how it should have been, because the restoration process wasn't followed properly. And... Um, it wasn't sanded back or scraped back. So even though you painted up, you can still see the nicks and the grooves and the scratches. And unless you're shabby chic, you know, fan, then uh, it's, it's never quite looks like it was created to be. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is restoration and the process of restoration. Because you'll learn right away, and uh, I did some restoring on one of our tables, that if you don't um, sand right back and, and really get right back and sand and scrape and restore the old off and scrape back the old paint and wax that it takes, you know, it never looks how it should because it takes effort and time to overcome the effects of the abuse and, and hard stuff that's happened to that piece of furniture. 
And uh, there's a lot of tools. And I had a picture of tools up there that we um, use when we're restoring furniture. And you've got sandpapers, an assortment of them. There's 80 and, and 100. And, you know, you get your electric sander out and it really gets into it if you want to do want to, and you've got chisels and hammers and grips and clamps and all the works to, to um, work. You've got French polish and teak oil and Danish oil and tongue oil and linseed oil. You've got wood glue, you've got rags and brushes and dust masks and cloths. Am I putting off furniture restoration yet? You've got a lot of tools that are involved in restoring. And if you're not committed to the restoration process, you could easily decide that it's just impossible to even start. You could just say, ah, it's too hard. It's too impossible to even start this. But I want to draw on that analogy of what it takes to restore a beautiful piece of master craftsman furniture. And I want to draw on that and say that restoration is a process that has to be lived out. And we have to allow our master craftsman, God the Father, to work on us and allow the Holy Spirit to work on us and Jesus to minister to us. We have to allow him to do that if we want to see restoration happen fully in our life. You know, we can be a little bit restored and you can cover up and go, I'm okay, but God wants to restore us and heal us and make us completely whole. And so we have to allow that there is a process and it's got to be walked through. And I know sometimes we want a short, you know, this little microwave instant where we want to short circuit that, but I want to encourage you this morning, but there's a process. There's a process to restoration and to stick with the process. Don't give up halfway through because it's worth it in the end. Now, David the psalmist declares that God restores my soul in Psalm 23. And uh, when you ask Jesus into your life, you know, he restores our spirit. We become born again. The light goes on. You know, when sin came into the world, darkness came into our spirits. But when you come to Jesus, the light goes on in our spirit and we're a brand new creation, God says, is old has passed away. All things have become new. The word is actually a new creation. is kindness, which means never seen before. So God sees you as a brand new spanking, never seen before creation. That's what the, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says that you're a new creation. But our soul needs to catch up with what's happened in our spirit. Because in your spirit, you're zing-zinging along. But our soul, our mind, our emotions, our physical being has to be restored. That's where the working out of our salvation happens. It has to be restored. And um, that's what God wants to do with us. He constantly wants to restore our soul. And the term restore indicates a process. And only God knows what's truly involved in restoring and renewing your heart. He's the only one that really knows. He's the only one because he knows you. He made you. He created you. He saw every day that you're going to have and he wrote it down in his book. And he knows what it takes to restore you and make you how he created you to be. You know, there's a story in the book of Ruth about a woman named Naomi. You know, she almost changed her name to Mara, which means bitter. Because she felt like her life was better. She had lost her husband. You know, they'd left their home country with all their family and they'd gone into another country and because, they'd, you know, they thought there'd be work there and things like that. And her husband and two sons were there with her and her sons got married and it looked okay. And then her husband got sick and he died. 
And then her two sons got sick and they died. So here's this woman away from home, left with no family, two daughter-in-laws who she said, look, you need to go back to your families. And one of them went back and the other one, Ruth, stayed with her. And she looked at her life and she said, I've got a lot to be bitter about. I've lost everything and everyone. I'm less destitute. I have no income. I have no man to look after me. In those days, that's what you needed. And she was left alone. So she decided she would go back. So she could say, you know, maybe I should change my name to means bitter because I look at my life and it's bitter. And but she felt empty and lost. And But God, she found out, is a great restorer and he's also a great comforter. And he used Ruth in her life. And, you know, often when God restores us and renews us, he brings people into our lives just like God did with Ruth and Naomi. Ruth ministered to Naomi. She cared for her. She, she went out in the fields and she gathered grain for her so that she could eat. And, you know, she, cared, and she loved her. She made her a part of her family. And when, if, you, if you're a bit of a smushy love story person, read Ruth because it's lovely. You know, Boas is this hunky man who, you know, looks after her and she sits at his feet. I'll get into it. I'll get all mushy girls. But anyway... You can read it. But, um, it, but she, you know, she makes her a part of her family and she, and she puts her little baby when she's born, Ruth's baby, on Naomi's knee and says, you know, this is your child too. And it was like all the things she, she'd lost, God restored in the sense of the things she thought she'd never have again, family and income and a home and all those things. And, and so she was able, anybody that looked at her said that, you know, God is a great comforter and he is a restorer. And that often when we go over reruns of scenes in our life, does anybody do that? We just think back. Does anybody rerun scenes in our life? Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. Um, you know, sometimes some things God is going to explain and some things he's just going to heal. He's not going to explain why that happened to you. you know, we're, we're good at saying, why God? Why God? <clears throat> we have to get to the point where we just go, God, I know that, you, you know, you can explain this, but if you don't, that's okay. Some things he's going to explain and some things he's just going to heal if you let him. And a restoration doesn't necessarily mean everything being exactly as it was. You know why? Because God, when he restores, he makes things better. And he gives purpose to the years where there's a big question mark over them. He brings out, you know, if my God is for us, who can be against us? And he brings all things together for good. But we've got to let him do that. And that's part of the restoration. It's not necessarily meaning that everything's going to be the same. But he brings meaning. And he restores things better. Yeah, he restores things better. Now, I know I shared about how I've been working from couch to 5Ks. Now, I reached 5Ks and I've been running 5Ks for quite a few weeks now. And uh, I stood in the middle of the footpath when I rang those 5Ks and I went, yes! And it ends up in the air because for me, that is restoration. Because when I was a teenager, I got a disease on my knees and I could not run. And I don't think I ever before that ran 5Ks. I might have pushed mum up the hill a few times. I don't think it was 5Ks, was it? No, maybe one. But you know what? God has restored me and he healed me. And he said, I kept on seeing myself running and I just grabbed hold of that. And I said, right, I'm going to do this. And I pushed through the mental blockages that you get of how on earth going to do that. And now... I am more restored than I was. I am more able to do the things that I wanted to do now than I was back then as a teenager because he's restored me and he's renewed me and he's given me something I didn't have before, but he healed me. 
So God often will do that. Actually, if you look through the word, he, he always does that, is that things are better than they were, were before. It won't be unnecessary to get the same things, but he'll, he'll work in you and he'll restore you and renew. And that's what Jubilee means, restoration, restoration. So I want to encourage you to just go, God, it's okay. I'm going to stick with the process because I know that it's going to be better. It's going to be better than I had before. You know, you look at the story of Job, and he, at the end of Job, he had more than what he started out with before. So it's going to be okay. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's going to be okay. The other thing that you learn from Naomi is that God is a nourisher. And that may be difficult for some of us to receive from God, that he actually wants to comfort us, but he also wants to nourish us. Now, some of us are good at nourishing others. We're good at giving people good advice and loving on people and being there for people, but we're terrible, terrible at receiving. We go, no, no, it's okay. I don't want to be a bother. Oh, no, I don't want to. God's so busy, blah, 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 blah. And we're not very good at receiving. Well, guess what? To be fully restored, to be renewed, to be the person God created you to be, you're going to have to learn to let God nourish you. So, you know, he is called Al Shaddai, which means the breasty one. That actually means that you get everything you need, every sustenance, every strength, every comfort, everything you need, just like a newborn baby, you get it from God the Father. That's what his name Al Shaddai means. One of his names is Al Shaddai, which means a breasty one, a little tiny baby getting what he needs. I know that's weird, but it's not weird if you think about it because he's everything we need. And he, and he wants us to know him like that, that he is our comforter and our nourisher. And to be... In the process of restoration, you've got to let him nourish you. You've got to say, God, okay, I'm receiving. You know, sometimes we've been disappointed and we've been let down and we're hurt by others and our trust is broken and we find it really hard to receive. I just want to encourage you as God comes to you, because I know he's going to come to you because he's speaking, is that let him in. Just let him in. Say, God, I just let you in. I need you to nourish me. I need you to comfort me. And he won't let you down. Other people can let us down, and the devil uses other people. You know, we used to call our youth, you've been a tool of Satan right now, just call it. <laughs> you know, well, Philip doesn't mince words, but, <laughs> but, uh, it's, <laughs> but it's like other people can be used, and they may not even know what they're doing to hurt you. But God, he never lets us down. He's always there for us, and he wants to comfort and nourish us. So let him in. You know, the Bible is full of people who have been restored. Joseph. He got chucked in a well and then chucked in prison and beaten up and, you know, just mistreated. If you read the story of Joseph, it's about God restored him. God restored him and he restored relationship with his family. You know, if you read through the Old Testament, look up Joseph and see this, that man's life. You know, like he was in prison for 14 years. He was taken in and out, you know, of prestige. And he just kept on, kept on, God kept on working on him and restoring him, renewing him, making the man he was meant to be. You know, David messed up took somebody else's wife, saw her out bathing on the top of the roof and went, oh, she's a bit of a babe, and went over and got her, got her pregnant. You know, her husband was out fighting for him on the front lines, went, oopsie, I've got her pregnant. So brings back, <laughs> yeah, it was an oopsie, came back and got, the, and got the husband and he says, no, no, I can't go in and sleep with my wife and have a bit of a nice night because my men are out in the battlefield, so I'll sleep on the doorstep. David's like, drat. So then he sticks them out on the battle, and when a battle is at the heat of battle, he says to the, uh, to the commander, pull back. 
and leave the husband out there to get killed. And that's what happened. This is, this is a man that is known after God's own heart, King David. God's pretty amazing because he forgives. Now, David came and he asked for forgiveness and God restored him. Everything wasn't just as it was before and he had to learn through repentance and forgiveness, but God restored him. And, and David's the one that wrote in the Psalms, God restores my soul. God restores my soul. I, you know, because he knew how to repent, that man. He knew how to say sorry. And he knew how to just walk in forgiveness. You know, the prodigal son is another one. Went off, spent all his father's money, realized what a nitwit he'd been, and came back and said, God, I'm so sorry. You know, the father, I'm so sorry. And, and, and his father just received him with open arms. He didn't condemn him. He didn't say, well, it's about time you came back. You know, have you learnt your lesson? You know, you can go out and work with the, in the sheep field. He didn't. He received him with open arms and said, it's okay. You're my son. And put a ring on his finger and new clothes. You know, that's how the God is with us. Even when we mess up, even when we go far away from what meant to, even when we know how good God is and then we walk away from him, when we turn back to him, he is the one who forgives and renews and restores and makes it better than it was before. That is the God that we serve. That is the God who restores and brings jubilee into our life. You know, the last one I wrote down is in Luke chapter 15 is Peter the disciple. And, you know, he messed up. He denied the king of kings, the son of God that he'd spent three years with, eating and watching him, you know, and being in the same camp and watching him do miracles and wonders. And he knew who he was. And yet he denied him three times at the most crucial time when he should have stood beside Jesus. And yet when he came to Jesus, Jesus forgave him. So do not think that anything is too hard for God. If you will allow God to restore you and work the restoration process where you've been hurt, where you've been disappointed, where you've had your trust broken, where you've walked away from God and sought other things, if you will turn and ask God to forgive, where you will turn and forgive others, where you let God work in you, he says he will restore you. He will restore you. That's a good word for this morning. Restoration. God knows you. And... Uh, the first step, and I've got four, four of them, is be willing to let God work. A piece of furniture has to be placed in the hands of the restorer. The first point in letting God work in you and coming to him is let you, him work in you. Place yourself in God's hands. The people you see in the Bible that were restored allowed God to work. They forgave and they let go. Now, when your furniture is restored, firstly, you have to survey the damage. You don't just go on in and not look at what needs to be done. You survey the damage and you see the extent of it. Is it scratched up badly? Does it have watermarks that need to be removed? You know, is it stained and oily? What do you do? And God knows you and he knows the damage that needs to be mended. He knows the damage that needs to be fixed. He knows what needs to be scraped out of there. He knows what needs to be sanded back. He knows you. He knows you. You know, Psalm 139, if you've got your Bibles, because we're going to talk for here for a minute. Psalm 139, it's in the middle of your Bibles. This is a great psalm to just underline because it's got such awesome words. We're going to read from verse 23. We've got to let God see us. He sees us already, but we've got to let, let ourselves... Let him search us. So I'm um, 139 verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see 
if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God, and know my heart. When you're serious about restoration, you've you actually got to pray that prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there is any anxiety in me. Try me and know them. If there's any wickedness in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Step one is let God in. Let him search your heart. A big part of God restoring us is admitting that we need him to do just that and then letting him to every area of our life, not just the nice sparkly ones or the spiritual moment ones, but every nitty-gritty, hidden, covered-up one. Let him in. You know, pride and fear can too often hold us back. He knows us. You're not fooling him. You're not fooling him. If you read the, the start of Psalm 139, it says, O oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue. And behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You can't hide from God. It's a waste of effort and you'll spend a lot of years wasted doing it. Just say, God, I'm in for the process and I need you to restore me. And don't let your pride or your fear, or your unforgiveness, or your lack of trust in people hold you back from God restoring you. It can get messy. When, God, when, when people are restoring furniture, you need to be prepared from some mess. You know, you wear a dust mask if you're a safety person and goggles, and there's mess everywhere. Ask my kids. I make a lot of mess when I'm doing stuff. But the mess is okay. You know, you think of a barn, and there's life in it, and there's animals in it, and there's things being born and stuff. What is it also in a barn? Mess. Poop. I'm a farmer's daughter. There's poop in a barn. It's okay for there to be mess. It's okay for people to see that you're a little bit of a mess. It's okay to blubber and have snot running out of your nose. And, you know, to be graphic, it's okay to get messy. It's okay to, be, to let God in. It's okay to be messy, and, let, and it's okay. Have you got that? It's okay. You know, we're so in our culture, everything has to be held all together. Everything has to be okay. Guys can't cry. Guys, you know, they have to be strong and powerful and blah, blah, blah. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know what? Take it out. They can't. and Take out I should. Just be you and let God work. It's okay to lie on the floor and bawl your eyes out. I give you permission. You know, there's a lot of healing done and just being real. Life is too short for all the pretenses. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And no matter what has happened, no matter where you might have messed up, and no matter where people have damaged you, God has a plan. No matter what the enemy has stolen, God says he will restore you. God will restore you. So it's messy. Be prepared for the mess. Don't come to me and say, you said this would be all right. Yeah, it is all right, but it's messy. Restoration us means we have to be willing to allow God to sand away any damage. Get the chisel out and just 
get in there. You know, we cover up. We layer and layer and layer of paint and cover up. Not literally, but you know. (laughs) We cover up all the stuff, all the damage, all the beaten up bits, all the hurts, all the abuse. You know, we cover it up with stuff. And God says, I can't get underneath the fix if you're just going to hold on to that painted up stuff. You've got to let me get the sandpaper out. You've got to let me get the electric sander. You've got to let me get the chisel and get rid of that stuff because it's infecting you. Underneath, you're simmering away with a big ugly boil in your heart. Those things pop and they're messy. I know, I'm visual. It's okay. (laughs) You've got to let God get that stuff out. And, you know, he loves you and he, and he cares for you and he's going to do it in the right pace for you, in the right pace for you. We've been so busy covering up hurts and disappointments with layers and layers of protective techniques, but you've got to let him get in with the chisel. You know, I actually had this encounter with God and I was spending time in the Spirit with him and I got taken to this place in the heavenlies, um, which I hadn't been before, and it was like this expanse of glass but it moves like water. And I went right up to the throne room and I sat on the father's knee. And I was sitting up there and I was like, oh, this is different. Jesus was beside me. He took me up to the father's knee and it was like the throne room. And the father said, you've got a great big hook in your heart and it's got this massive chain on You know the big butcher's hook that they hang the carcass on? He said, you've got this big hook. And I said, yeah, I know, I know, because people would tug it and I would get pulled back to over here. I would go, I just over here, and then they'd tug, and it would just, there's this big hook that kept on pulling me back. And he says, Do you want me to take it out? I went, Was it going to hurt? And he just looked at me. And I said, Oh, he says, it it needs to come out. So I I physically could feel myself bracing, and I just, in the spirit, just the father took this big hook out, and it had all this ick on it, because I'd been sitting there a long time. And then he just blew, and it all got healed over. See, God is a God who heals. Now, I later was sharing with Philip, and he was saying, oh, that's a sea of glass, you know, that's talked about in Revelations, and it's a healing of the nations with the trees down beside it. And I was actually, you know, just spending time with God in the heavenlies, and he'd taken to me the place where you get healed, where you give your suffering and hurt to him, and he exchanges it with freedom and healing. That's what God does. And it doesn't... You know, you're in his presence and it's not awful. You just come to him and let him heal you. And if there's hooks that need to be come out, and I know the difference because that hook isn't there and that pull that I kept on pulling back to isn't there anymore. And I know the difference. God is a great restorer. And, and uh, he loves us so much. But we need to let him scrape back the layers, pull out the hooks, do whatever he needs to do and just be real. And God says he will transform us. Sometimes when we go, God, if you pull back the layers and scrape it back, maybe I won't like who I really am. Maybe I won't actually like what's under there. It's a bit confronting being real, isn't it? Because as we go along in our life, we get very good at covering up what's really inside. You know, I don't like that person. I'm so angry. And we've got this stuff under here and we cover it off with lovely Christian stuff. I'm a good person, but underneath, you know, deep down, that there's some ugly stuff in there where you've struggled to forgive, where you even might hate people. And there's some stuff in there, but it's festering away, and God wants to get it out. And he says, you know, even where you think I'm awful underneath, he is a God of transformation. 
He formed my inward parts, Psalm 139 says. You covered me in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book there are all written the days fashioned for me when as yet there are none of them. God knows you. And he says he'll transform you. Where you're not very nice, he says he'll make you new. Where you have hate, if you let it go, he'll make it beautiful in there. But you've got to let him in. And you've got to be real. Life is too short to pretend. And you show it on your face. (laughs) You know? It's just too short. God wants you to rip raw through this life. Just let him in and let him restore you and transform you. You know, and he'll show you where he needs to work. He'll put he'll just tell you where he needs to work. So that's number one is let God work. Number two, I'm working fast. It's all right, girls. Renewing our minds. When we let God scrape back our layers and sand and clean and wipe away our past, our hurts, our fears, he's going to start speaking to you. He's going to start renewing your mind and getting dealing with our stinking thinking. Yeah? We, have, we can have some really stinky thinking about ourselves. And he's going to start to talk to you. Romans 12 says, Do not be conformed to this world or what the world has said to you or what circumstances have done, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God doesn't think you're a pleb. He doesn't think you're, you know, this awful person. He doesn't see that about you. He sees how he created you to be, and he, does, and he looks at you through the eyes of Jesus. You're washed clean. He actually says you're not this depressed, broken, poor, sick, plebby human being. He actually says you are very loved. You're a new creation. You are whole. You are righteous. You are healed. You are free. You are forgiven. You've got a sound mind. You are strong. You are bold. You are brave. You are patient. You are kind. You are loving. That's what God says about us. And we have to make a point at this stage in restoration. When you let God in, then he's going to start speaking. And you have to decide right there and then, will I agree with what God says about me or will I agree about what I'm feeling or what other people have said on my circumstances. It's our choice at that point whether we receive these words from God or reject them because that's such an important part of our restoration. Will we receive what God says or will we keep on going back to that brokenness? Will we keep on thinking of ourselves how we used to be and not what person that God is restoring? Because God, when he speaks to us, he speaks words that are powerful and dynamic and they have power to restore and transform. And you have a choice. We always have a choice. We receive what God is saying about us and start to put it into action in our life and believe it or we keep on back here going, I'm broken. I'm sick. I've got things wrong with me. You haven't seen my past. We make a choice. We make a choice. What are you going to speak about yourself? When God comes in and he starts to talk, he's going to tell you good stuff about yourself. You know, when you come, it doesn't take years and years for God to restore you. When you come to him, you go, God, work in me, and you're open. He starts to work, and he works fast because he's got stuff for you to do, and he's got a life for you to live. It doesn't have to take 10 years to get over what happened as a kid or through your adult. You know, it doesn't. Praise God. It can be done just like that. The Holy Spirit, he just whoop. 
it doesn't have but he'll start to speak to you and he'll start to speak words of life and healing and it's your choice whether you receive them or whether you keep on saying I'm broken I'm depressed I'm no good this has happened so we choose what we're going to say what are you going to speak because it's really important in the restoration process and you know our flesh is going to squeal at us I don't want to say I'm bold I don't feel very bold I don't want to say I'm loved I don't feel very loved but we've got to make a choice. And I know that from experience. I was a timid, broken, bit messed up, had had stuff happen that wasn't very nice. And I could make a choice where I look in the mirror and see all the things I didn't like or I could say what God said, you're beautiful, you're whole, you're healed. You have a future and a hope. I could choose to either agree with what my mind used to say or I could agree with my spirit and what God was saying. You get that, because that's really important. Number three is wait on the Holy Spirit. You know, John chapter 14, 26 says that he's our comforter, our counsellor, our helper, our advocate, our strengthener, and he will cause you to remember everything that has been told to you, what you read in the Word. He will remind you of it. Once you let God in and the layers have been stripped and sanded back, you're going to feel like you're exposed. But that's where God is repairing you. You know, when you have a piece of furniture, there's a thing called running repairs. You know, the leg might be a bit wobbly or it's like, you know, if it's been really beaten up, it's really wobbly and it's like it needs replaced. You know, the rebates, the dowels, all that sort of thing might be just, it's had a lot of work and abuse on it. And so the furniture repairer gets out the glue gun and he glues it all together and he wraps it up in a clamp and he, and he binds it together. That's what God does with us. When you let him in and he starts to speak, You go, all right, God, start the repair job. He will get the Holy Spirit ointment out and he will balm you up and he'll heal you up. And actually, when you come to him, he says his mercy and grace will be there for you in your time of need. And those words in the Greek actually mean a thing called frapping. Now, frapping is what they do when a ship is falling apart and they take it into a safe harbour and then they they get this very brave sailor to grab some iron or rope, ropes around and they dive underneath the, the, the hull and they bring it up the other side and they pull it and it pulls this bro- the ship that is starting to fall apart together again that's what God does with us he fraps you there you go you learnt some freak he frapping he that's what his grace and his mercy in time of need does is he binds you up together he puts his ointment on you and he pulls you together so that you are, are going to be okay that you're healed up and you're restored, and he knows what you need, so let him do it. Let him repair you because he knows where the wobbly bits are. (laughs) Yeah, he knows where the wobbly bits are, and he knows where things feel like they're going to fall off, and we need God to get the Holy Spirit glue out, okay? Stay put at this stage because you're going to want to run. You're not going to want God to get the glue out, and you know, with the little surgical syringe and stick it into those bits that are a bit blah. You're going to go, God, I'm feeling very exposed. I've come to you. You stripped me back. You sanded me back. And I'm feeling very exposed. Let him repair you. Don't run off. Don't get the paintbrush out and start licking that new paint over to cover it up. You're going to feel naked before God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and test me and know my anxious ways. This is where you've got to stay put and let God keep working to repair you. Let the healing balm come out. Let the, let the binding up of your broken heart come out. And your emotions and the mental stuff. He'll speak and show you where you need healing. Receive it. 
Do what he says. Come to him. Do whatever you need to do. If he says you need to forgive this person, forgive them. If he says you need to stop doing that, stop doing it. If you need to turn and walk away from people or things you've been doing, do it because that's his repair job. Point four is strengthen yourself. Choose joy. Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says, Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. When we're feeling a little bit naked and a little bit beaten up, this is where we've been repaired. Then we get when we have to choose joy. Lord, I choose joy. I, I know that you're looking after me. I know that you love me. And it says in John 3, John verse 2, says, Beloved, I pray that you might prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. God is not all about just, you know, working, working, working on you. He also wants you to prosper your soul. So in the middle of being restored, he's going to give you a little break. Just breather. And he says, go and do something you love. Once a week, at least, do something you love to do. You know, enjoy life. It's a blessing. Remind yourself that life is a blessing. You're alive. Put your hand on your heart. There's a beating. Yes? Well then, God has a purpose and a reason for you being here. He has a life for you. Zoe life. Life more abundantly. Life overflowing. And when we're being repaired and restored, he says, okay, Go out and enjoy life. Find something you try, like to do. I know some people find it hard to figure out what they want to do. Just try a few things. If you're, if you're really low on ideas, go see Shara. Put your hand up, Shara. Shara has a bucket list of all the crazy things she does through summer. What have you done this, year, this summer? You've been swimming with dolphins and you've um, jumped off things. She's about to go kite surfing and she's been a trapeze and trapezing, like swinging. You know, she has this thing. She enjoys life. Now, you don't have to be just like Shara, but if you're thinking, I want to do some stuff, go and see her because she's always got crazy ideas and get her to help you write a bucket list. You know, if it's that you like getting, you know, getting out in the, in, the, in the beach, go and put your feet in the beach and paddle. You know, I've met people that live in Perth and have never been to the beach. Pick them up and take them and dump them on the sand near the ocean and let them paddle. Yes, it's good. Think of things that are going to restore your soul. What prospers your soul? What makes your soul sing? And if you're not sure about it, do lots of different things until you know what makes your soul sing. What makes your soul sing? What makes it zing-a-ling-ling-ling? Yeah? What is it? Is it just sitting and having a great cup of coffee and a beautiful scenery? Is it walking through a garden? Is it jumping off high things? I don't know. That doesn't make my soul sing when my children are doing it. But (laughs) Yeah, I mean bungee jumping. Did it make your soul sing? Yes. Yes, it might be scary, but do things that remind you that you're alive. You're alive and you have a life to live and don't waste it by sitting there in a big clubby thing, puddle going, oh, well, God's repairing me. I feel naked. Well, it's okay. Just get back and go and do something. Say, I'm so glad I'm alive. I'm so glad God is repairing me. Take your wife out for dinner. Have an awesome meal together. Look into her eyes and say, I'm so glad you gave me her, God. Have you got your wife here? Look at her. If you partner with you, just look at her. No, come on. Look in, it was Valentine's Day yesterday. You should have this down. <laughs> look into her eyes, men. Where are you, darling? There you are. Yes? Remind yourself why it's good that you're alive because this, and then the restoration, the repairing, isn't for no reason. It's not for no reason. It's because you've got a life to live and you need to remind yourself at this point that there is a reason for you going through that and it's so you can enjoy it. And live life to the fullest and have Zoe, life overflowing. Amen? All right. This is a fun bit that God has, is when he chooses 
He's going to get out and polish you up. And he's going he's to put the stain on where he's stripped you back and, he's, and you're feeling very naked and he's been repaired you and you've been sitting there bound up and you're all glued back together. Then he gets out the, he gets out the colour. He gets out the stain and he colours up the wood. That's what the master craftsman did. He picks what he wants that piece of furniture to look like again. And then he gets out and he chooses, should I have that one, that one, French polish or shabby chic? What am I going to do? Yeah, and then he gets it out and he starts to apply it. You know, God has a lot of fun at this point because he starts to release gifts. He starts to plant fresh dreams. He starts to restore old ones and he colours you up the way that you were created to be. Not how you think you should look. Because I know we all think we should look like, I don't know, who's this? George Clooney. But, you know... I couldn't resist. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we all think we should look a certain way, but God says, you know what? This is how I want you to look. This is how you're going to fit the best. You're going to look the best. You're going to soar the best. Just let him colour you up. Let him make you sparkle. Let him make you, you know, just look the best you can. God knows what's going to look best on you. Amen? Whether it's polish or paint or whatever it is. That's the fun bit. God has fun and you can have fun like that. You know, we can go shopping. No, you can go shop. (laughs) Philip Kinney. (laughs) It's, it's there. Oh, yeah, whatever. Um, You know, this is a time where God is going to release new things in you. He's he's repaired you back up and and it's like you start to see fresh things happening. You know, it starts to restore you. I've started to see, now I've got the running thing happening and it feels good. God's starting to show me other things that he wants to restore and I'll let you know as I go along. You know, there's things I haven't thought about for such a long time. I start seeing myself doing them. I thought, oh, that's nice. He starts to colour you up with things and release things in you. Don't be afraid at this stage because you've got a life to live and God's going to, you're going to see yourself, see yourself, he's so naughty, see yourself doing things that you might not have thought about since you were a kid. You know, you might want to take up dancing. Go see Shara. Go, you, wanna, you might you want to, you know, ride a horse or you might want to jump out of an aeroplane. You might learn to do something you've never done before. You might want to go and travel. You might want to do things that you've pushed aside or you've never even thought about. Well, that's God colouring you up. He might start to release things in you, giftings. You might start to have prophetic words or, you know, you want to pray for everybody you can lay hands on. That's God releasing the gifts and dreams and talents and abilities because he is the restorer and he is the transformer. Don't push it away. Go, oh yes, this is restoration. Grab it and run with it. Yeah? Don't be afraid of new things. <laughs> you want blue eyes? <laughs> He's so naughty. It's George, babe, is it? You're better looking than George. <laughs> All right. This is the fun stage of being restored. Each of us is different and God knows what he wants you to look like to bring out the best in you. Let him do it. Don't be an old, you know, don't be an old fart. <laughs> Just say yes. You know, give, if you see somebody and they're talking about it, say, come on, let's do it together. Yeah? yeah? Amen? Are you excited? Yes. yes. Good job. All right, so you got over all the scraping and sanding. See, you're all happy now. Number five, this is the last point, build your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10 verse 17 says that. Let God keep working on you. 
It says in the Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 3, continue in the things you know and have learned and apply them to your life. Continue in the things you know. Because God, he, the Holy Spirit is like an oil. And it's just the same as when you have a piece of beautiful rest- furniture restored, that you have to maintain it that you have to look after it. And it's the same with us. When we get restored and we get transformed and we're renewed, look after yourself. Be around lovely people. Why are you laughing at me? I'm awesome. I come in and I'm telling them what the day I say, to do this morning. I said, it's, I'm just awesome. That's why I don't mind. You know, it's like be around good people. Let the Holy Spirit you know, come into his presence and let him oil you up and polish you up. Every day. Because when you, you're going to get dints and you're going to get little new scratches on, but if you let God get in there with the wax and the, you know, he'll buff those out so they're not great big gouges. And he is a repairer. And if stuff happens, let him get in and restore it. Don't leave it to go all musty and crusty. Yeah? He is a restorer. Where there's faith, that's where we apply our faith. It's too easy for us to say, restore me, God, restore me, God, and, it, and not want to have to go through the process. To be fully restored, we have to allow God to work as he wills, understanding that he loves us and he wants nothing more for us than to be the people he created us to be. Because when we shine like that, when we're restored like that, when we live life, it glorifies him. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you love us so much, that you love us so much that you don't want to leave us broken. You don't want to leave us beaten up in places in his life. And all of us have things that have happened, Lord, that we need your help in. So Holy Spirit, I pray that the words I've spoken, that you would encourage us, each one, to just let you in. Let let you just work in our hearts and scrape and sand back as, as you need to, Lord, to repair us and then to color us up and polish us up how you created us to be, just how you created. Not like somebody else sitting next to us or somebody else we see, but just who you've made us to be because then we shine for you. Lord, I pray that you would remind us. I pray that we'd have open hearts today. Remind us, Lord, of your word and transform and restore us, we pray this. In Jesus' name, amen.